where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of When Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm Barry. And I'm James. Oh, James, you jumped in there nice and quick. I'm sorry. Yes, what are we doing today then, Barry? Well, today we're looking at uh, Season 8, Episode 17, uh, which is called Woody or Won't He? Huh? So how are you, James? Uh, I'm all right. Yeah, tired, but uh, not too bad. But this is a, a fun farcical episode for us to get stuck into. It is a farce, isn't it? It's a bloody farce. (laughs) I enjoyed this episode. I don't think it adds too much to the Cheers world. It's more of a one of those mid-season diversions. Yes, exactly. It aired on the 8th of February, 1990. It was directed by Andy Ackerman and written by Brian Pollock and Mert Rich. Where to start with this episode? I guess probably the cold open. That seems to have worked for episodes so far. So, well, let's keep doing it. We start with a uh, a new gentleman in the bar, sitting alone at a table. Carla recognises him. Yeah, he's a, he's a tyre distributor from Rhode Island. I'm not sure that's where Carla recognises him from. But this is who he is. Uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'm neither saying you're, you're wrong or right. <laughs> <laughs> they went out a couple of times, didn't they? Uh, he doesn't remember, so she prompts him with a with a few sleazy reminders. I'm sorry, I don't remember. Yeah, I guess it's been a while. You were still pushing white walls. <laughs> Maybe this will jog your memory. Arts Hideaway Adult Motel. I'm sorry. Look, in the tired game, you meet a lot of women. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't have forgotten. Mirror on the ceiling? No. Vibrating bed? Latin love basket? The trick with the tie? That was you? Yeah! Oh, God, that was one steamy night, wasn't it, Phil? Oh, God, I'll say. Yeah. Hey, look, um, I got a few hours to kill. Why don't we hit old arts for a little reunion? Hey, what kind of girl do you think I am? I am a widow. Get out of here, you pig. You make me sick. And I'm, I'm not sure how most... I'm going to say women stand on this, but where most people would stand on this, if you encountered someone who didn't remember who you were and you had to go into the sort of clinical details of your encounter in order to get them to say yes, I'm not sure how I'd feel about that. I wouldn't do what Carla did because I'd have enough self-doubt to go, maybe it was just someone who looked like them and I wouldn't want to (laughs) go into sleazy details with a woman who I'd never met. <laughs> yeah. So Carla has to jog his memory by literally saying, do you remember our the motel we stayed at? Do you remember this? Do you remember that? Fair, not cur. I was thinking of another organ. Um, this story does involve organs, <laughs> James. <laughs> well, you, you know, the phrase affair de cur, affair of the heart. Um, I don't mm. think it was anything to do with the heart, really. No, no, I think uh, other things were at play here. I think that probably the heart took a back seat and um, this was more carnal. Yes, yes. So having built up this frivolity with this new man who finally remembers who she is, he offers to do it again. I don't think he remembers who she is. I think he just likes the descriptions. Ah, well, maybe. Yeah, but certainly Carla's not too happy with that. And she tells him to sling his hook. Yeah, she goes, what kind of woman do you take me for? 
<laughs> Sling his hook. Where does that phrase come from? I assume it's a fishing thing. Is it at the end of the day they pop the hook back on a... Yeah, that's what I think it means, yeah. yeah. Mm, want to look up. Fun phrase, though. So how does our episode start then, James? How does it start in earnest? A Lillian Corporation diner in, in Texas is closing down. And uh, as a result, Cheers, being a subsidiary of sorts, is stuck with the one asset it can't get rid of, which is a mechanical bull. Which I'm surprised of, really. I, I thought those things would be quite sought after. But maybe that's an in-joke. Maybe it's a bar joke that every bar's that's got one is left cobwebbed and unused. Yeah. Have you? I assume you've been on a mechanical bull in your time? Yeah, years and years ago. Uh, not... It was never pushed up to any ridiculous level. Last time I was on some kind of thing like that was, I think, late teens, when, you know, I had the uh, willingness to to spend my time doing that. Now I'm like, I'm bored now. <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> oh, James, you're still young. It says your spirit gone already. There's two things that could happen with a mechanical bull. Either you're stuck on it for a long time, or you get thrown off, neither of which I think would be a positive thing. <laughs> you know, either you're on it longer than you want to be, or, or you <laughs> or you get thrown off and, and you lose. So I, I don't, yeah. Maybe my spirit has gone. There's an odd thing going on there that you, you suggest that you might be on it longer than you want to be. But yeah. ultimately, the choice of how long you're on it rests mostly with you and gravity. Yeah, but... Uh, Gravity has bested me too many times before. and mm. But they get this bull and Cliff, being in the ambitious man he is, thinks that he can uh, be the one to show the beast who's boss. Yeah, which is slightly out of character for Cliff. Cliff is very much a talker, not a doer. So for him to almost give the world the chance to see that any previous claims might be nonsense... It's not something he normally does. I think when he's egged on or when he's trying to prove himself, he'll do things like he once headbutted a concrete slab, I think it was, yes. or some plywood, just to prove that he knew martial arts, uh, which he didn't know, but he wanted to keep up the appearance that he did. I've, I've met people like Cliff, and I always wonder whether they get to the point of believing the pretense that they've created. Oh, there's something in Seinfeld about it where George is lying to his fiance or something and trying to get away with whatever shenanigans. And he says, the trick is believing the lie. <laughs> Just, yeah. And if you believe it, you can say it with conviction, which is why in, in the best lies, there's always something which is true. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Without giving the listeners ways to commit sins in their own lives. If you are going to tell a lie to someone, then yes, encapsulate that lie in as much truth as possible. So listeners, if you're planning to have an affair or commit <laughs> a, a murder or, or something else along those lines, here's our top tips. Uh, just give generic non-committal comments like, oh, would you be able to do this? I wouldn't want to promise I could do that, which is not a yes or a no. <laughs> all, it just, all it means is I don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that response next time we're, we're working together on a project, James. <laughs> oh, I have used it. <laughs> yes, Mechanical Bolt is installed and off Cliff goes to prove himself. We have another story, the main story, 
uh, running alongside this one, which is that uh, Kelly's mum is coming to meet Woody. Uh, and Kelly's mum is the last remaining family member who's yet to meet him and, in Woody's words, hate him. Yeah, he, he hasn't made a good impression on any of the, the Gaines family. And he's hoping that Kelly's mum will be the one who will like Woody. They are divorced, though, Kelly's parents. It's worth adding. It's a real shame because Woody is innately likable. I mean, it's it's his top quality is that his naivety and lack of experience is underpinned by this incredibly positive, helpful, kind person. And the idea that a whole family would dislike him speaks far more of the family than it does of him. And I think there's a class divide thing going on there. Mm. But yeah, so that's essentially what it is. Woody's trying to make a good impression and, well... (laughs) (laughs) He he certainly does, doesn't he? She arrives at the bar and Sam, he's a smooth talker, isn't he? He knows Mm -hmm. the right things to say. Hi, Kelly, how are you? Nice to see you again. It's nice to see you too. Sam Malone, I'd like you to meet my mom. Oh, I'd love to meet her sometime myself. Who's this, your sister? (laughs) Sam, this is my mom. That was a tired old line, Mr. Malone. You're right, I'm sorry. No, it still works. (laughs) Well, you know, the classics, timeless. (laughs) Of course, that old line. He's, uh, He's certainly a smooth talker as our Sam, which actually gets him invited to the family party later. And I'm not really sure... Kelly seems very excited to invite Sam, and I'm not really sure what her motivation is for that. The logic is that they introduced Kelly and Woody. I don't think that's true, but it's a plot convenience. I think what happened was Sam was there when Woody and Kelly met. That's about it. Yeah. The introduction is really sweet again. Woody is actually very direct and honest about why he's nervous, saying that she's the last family member who doesn't hate him. And, and it's really sweet. And actually, Mrs. Gaines, Kelly's mum, is really sweet about it too, which, you know, that we find out there's reasons for that later. But uh, at first, she seems just genuinely pleased with Woody and seems to like him. Well, yeah. Uh, well, it's a rehearsal dinner for something, isn't it? Kelly's sister's wedding. Yeah, That makes sense, yes. But at the rehearsal dinner, Sam admires how large the room is, saying he would want to live in a room like that or a house as big as that room. And Mr. Gaines simply walks away. <laughs> I'm going to stand over here now. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's sad because, you know, you're hosting a do. You should be welcoming to everyone. And I know that this is that they're inferring this snobbery which is a comical add-on. Yes, exactly. There's a sort of subplot in that Sam overhears some people talking about stock tips. They say it's going to triple in value, uh, so you should buy, buy, buy. And uh, Sam falls for it. It it does very quickly. I mean, this happens within seconds that he just overhears something and goes... He's naive though, isn't he? He is, but that's very quick. I mean, he didn't even know what he was buying. Sam's not a man made of money, but he pulls a thousand or he pulls five hundred dollars out of his wallet and he's told that each share is a thousand. So he he buys a share, which is incredibly impulsive. But obviously the decor and the surroundings have got to him a little bit. They've swayed him. Yep. Mm. 
so that happens. Uh, we, we have a brief trip back to the pub in the middle of all this. Cliff is... He's, a, he's strapped to the bull, isn't he? <laughs> he's strapped to the bull and they've put it on the highest level. Because he was gloating, essentially. Mm. Yeah. But he's not coming off is the uh, impressive part of this. That's just happening at Cheers. He's going to be on there for hours. Don't worry about it. At the dinner, most of the guests go to have hors d'oeuvres in the salon. And this is where Woody talks to Kelly's mother. And Woody admits he is worried about whether she would like him. And she makes it very clear that she likes him. Yes, she presents him with a push-down kiss, I like to call it. Well, she pounces on him. She does, yeah. Push-down kiss actually makes it sound very, quite sweet, but you're right, it's a, it's an assault of sorts. Yes. Uh, so she jumps on top of Woody, who they're both sitting on a couch, and uh, she pretty much mounts him for a kiss, doesn't she? Yeah. Whoa, that's not what I meant. And she's still trying to... Uh kiss him and things, and then people come back in and they didn't quickly scarp her off the sofa, pause for a group photo, <laughs> and uh, she stands next to Woody in the group photo. And there's a nice little scene here where, I say nice, I mean, there's, a, there's an element of unwanted attention going on, but she pinches his bum. You stand over here right in front of me. All right, everyone, straight ahead. One, two, whoop! <laughs> Something wrong, Woody? No, no, no. Uh, it's just where I come from. Everybody goes whoop before they take a picture. Everybody. One, two, three. Whoops. Then it's the dinner, isn't it? Yes. It continues. It continues. But we do see Sam with his investors first at the dinner table. And he becomes aware that he's lost his money, which brings a strange situation about where Kelly's dad tells Sam that these guys are famed for losing their money on the stocks. They love losing money. Yeah, which is very odd. Uh, why would they continue not only to do it, but talk about it so excitedly? There's this thing in betting and gambling, so I assume you can transfer it to stock trading. It's called is it called towing the line, where essentially you make two opposing bets. Uh -huh. uh, and they briefly talked about it in The Big Short, where you've made a trade on something and you're making a bet on something, but then you're also placing another bet or another wager on that first bet failing. Yes. Yeah. So you're covering both sides, really. Yes, exactly. It certainly insinuated these guys are just bad at trading and celebrate it. So they must have a huge amount of money to mess around with. If, and I suppose that's the insinuation. Oh, I'd like to have a, enough money to <laughs> mess around like that, James. That would be nice. So Sam does the thing which I do in that situation, which is pocket all the food. <laughs> you, you Would you do that? Based on a loss of money or just because you're in a nice situation with uh, what I might call future snacks? Uh, oh, yes, future snacks. Um, I think if it's a sit-down meal, it's more difficult to have a valid reason to pocket it. Canapes, yeah, you can save them for later. Yeah. <laughs> At my wedding, I'm going to keep my eagle eyes all over you. Oh. And not like Kelly's mum. I was going to say, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will be watching you like a hawk as you uh, find different ways to 
squirrel snacks away on your person. Oh, at my cousin's engagement party, they, there was champagne and, you know, the widget stuff were pouring champagne. And I was like, ooh. And after the second glass, my cousin went, James, you can't drink free champagne all evening. And I went, I, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a similar experience at a friend's wedding where we got champagne on the way in. And normally you get a glass of champagne and, uh, and then that's it. So I snuck into the kitchens and returned with a tray of champagne for my group, only to be told that alcohol was free all evening. And so essentially me thinking I'd been like a ninja slipping into the kitchen, actually those kitchen staff probably just wondered what I was doing. They probably <laughs> saw the whole thing and thought, fine, is this paid for? No one cares. <laughs> exactly. At the dinner, Kelly's uh, mum makes very strong advances. Oh, yeah. Under the table advances. Yeah, which is not okay. No, that's the strongest sort of advance. Yeah. Well. Maybe we should add a little bit of clarification here. I think she's probably a, an extreme version of footsie that goes on. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. Very much so. It culminates in... <laughs> Woody shouting at her. Well, I don't know. The things you say, your your hands, your coconut cracking thighs. Then you have no problem with my feet. Skate, stop it. I'm not having sex with you. I won't have sex with you. I won't, I won't, I won't. No sex. Do you hear me? Now, I want both hands and both feet on the table right now. Well played, Woody. Not to be the silent victim. He did the right thing. He did do the right thing. I mean, the episode suggests that he doesn't get in any way condemned or vilified for his reaction. So, fair play. He doesn't get vilified, but he is sort of ashamed. And he goes back to Cheers because everyone stared at him. Like, why are you shouting at that woman? And... He is ashamed of Cheers, but Kelly has handed over a letter from her mum, coincidentally called Roxanne, which I think is some relevance. And I think we'll play the letter and reaction thereof. Woody and Mrs. Gaines said the most ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> you think that's funny? What do you hear? <laughs> Dear Woody, Kelly thinks I'm writing you an apology. <laughs> what I really want to say is I ache for you, my strong young coconut. <laughs> I live for the moment when I can harvest your lusty fruit. Love Roxanne. Is she a crack up or what? And that sort of ends that story. But there's also a solution to Cliff's story. Yeah. Well, Cliff's still hanging on. Fair play to Cliff. And they can't unplug the machine because it's too heavy and it's trapped up against the plug. So the only solution seems to be cutting the power or as Carla suggests, going for the world record. So they just put padding on the walls like some kind of insane asylum cell. <laughs> yeah. Wherever he throws, there shall he lay. I thought you were going to do where, like wherever I lay my hat. <laughs> well, uh, if he's wearing a hat, that's where it'll, it'll end up pretty close to where he lands as well. Exactly. Let's talk about the cast briefly. I say briefly, there's a lot of them. Jackie Swanson as Kelly Gaines, Bill Geislinger as Conrad Langston. He also appeared in American Playhouse, St. Elsewhere, People Like Us, Imaginary Crimes, News Radio, Dead by Sunset, Nowhere Man Grimm, and many more. Richard Doyle as Walter Gaines, Robert Gallo as Phil. Uh, he also appeared in Archie Bunker's Place, Falcon Crest, Knott's Landing, St. Elsewhere, Cagney and Lacey, The A-Team, Hill Street Blues, Alf, LA Heat, Hunter, 
Murder One, Almost Perfect, Ned and Stacy, ER, NYPD Blue, Becker, Everybody Hates Chris, Shameless, Rizzolian Isles, and many more. Mark Arnott as Mark, Alan Costa as Alan, Peter Schreiner as Pete, Kevin Joseph Klein as photographer. He also appeared in Sugar and Spice. That's it. Uh, Kevin McDermott as fireman. He also appeared in Fame, Hill Street Blues, Matlock, Falcon Crest, My Stepmother is an Alien, The New Lassie, Heat Wave, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Quantum Leap, Sisters, ER, and many more. D. David Morin as mechanic. He also appeared in Hotel, Dallas, It's a Living, Nightingales, Tales from the Crypt, Freddy's Nightmares, Knott's Landing, Who's the Boss, Matlock, L.A. Law, Northern Exposure, Empty Nest, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, The Mentalist, Dexter, Chuck, and many more. That was a lovely list, James. Thank you. The, the second chap on that list, was it Rory Geislinger? Bill. Bill Geislinger. Such a missed opportunity. He should have played the ball. Yeah. Because of Slinger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Geislinger. <laughs> yeah. Oh. He slings guys. That's what the bull does. Speaking of slinging guys, whoa, Cliff, you look uh, haggard. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm surprised he even made it, James. I thought he'd still be going. It's been a long time. He's only just got off by <laughs> 30-something years he's been on that bull. Um Ooh. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. So what's he got for us? Here's one. What hint does Carla give Phil as to as to their past? She says that they stayed together in Arts Hideaway Motel, adult motel. But she describes three features of the uh, the room. Uh, which is a mirror on the ceiling, vibrating bed, uh, and Latin love basket. Yes. But there is one trick that seals the deal, uh, and that's the trick with the tie. Yeah. Which means that actually I've just given away all my um, <laughs> trivia question in one. <laughs> but I do have a question for you, James. The restaurant that has to close donates the mechanical bull. Um, what is their speciality? That's a good question. Ribs, something to do with ribs? Uh, no, it's it may not be a genuine. I think it's probably a joke on Rebecca's part. But uh, filet o armadillo. Oh, fun! <laughs> According to Sam, why do the gains have two forks for each plate? Woody sees two forks for each plate. He wants an explanation. What is Sam's explanation? Is it because if you drop one, you've got a spare? Yes. And why is the second fork smaller? Oh, I forget that one. Because if you drop the second one, it doesn't make as much noise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. That's time for last call. I think we'll have filet or armadillo. Filet d'armadillo. Armadillo filet. Lovely. Yeah. And what to drink? Well, it was a champagne function. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting question. What does go with armadillo? It's a tough meat. So, um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, champagne is good enough. I was going to say a wine. Champagne's a sort of wine. Mm. Yeah. And and what did you think of this episode, James? I liked it if it was a meaningless farce. Um, yeah. It was fun enough. That's what it was. It was entertaining enough, but it certainly, it certainly didn't have as much 
impact or, or relevance as other episodes this season. Yeah, it did very throwaway, wasn't it? Very shallow as well. None of the the plot lines were actually explored in any real way and all came to very quick, hasty conclusions, it felt. That is true. But was fun. So, you know, ultimately they've done their job. Yes, yes, indeed. They've done their job. <laughs> That's what <laughs> we can hope for. Yep. So let's uh, let's tuck into our armadillo, James, and quaff champagne at the same time. Good word. We're living quite the high life, aren't we? We are. And with that, we'll tuck in and you'll listen to us next week. Post armadillo feast. We'll tuck in and tuck off.